This episode was recorded during the dual WGA and SAG After Strike. As fans and content creators, we stand in solidarity with the creatives currently on strike. There is power in a union. I'm JP Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. I guess you can call this our back to school episode because we're talking about a movie about a school. A special school. A school for superheroes. No, not the one ran by the bald guy in the wheelchair. This is Sky High. 2005 Disney movie about superheroes. This movie came out the same time as Batman Begins and The Fantastic Four, which we have talked about in the past. This movie had no chance. Just be real. <laughs> well, had it come out just at the same time as Fantastic Four, might have had a chance. But with Batman Begins, yeah, no, no chance. No chance. So, yeah, Disney, another attempt at from Disney to try to get into the superhero game before they ever bought Marvel. We're a few years away at this point from the beginning of the MCU. And, of course, this is not the first time Disney has tried to step into the superhero game. We've talked about a few of, of Disney's other attempts to do superhero movies. We talked about The Rocketeer. We talked about The Incredibles, which came out one year before this one. Uh, a few years before this movie came out, there was a Disney Channel original movie called Up, Up, and Away, which had a very similar theme to this. As in that movie, the main character was the son of two superheroes with no superpowers. But at least in that movie, the kid had no superpowers throughout the whole movie. Maybe we'll talk about that one day. Definitely not the me definitely not what happens in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Which I think would have been a better message had had we gone in that direction, but we're, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, that and and of course, we've got the script punch-up, I guess if you want to call it, by the creators of Kim Possible, which we've also talked about, which is Kind of on the cusp of superhero. Yeah, super even though superhero. even though Kim Possible doesn't actually have superpowers, you know, it's it's kind of in that same vein. She go with a superhero. Well, yeah. Was. Yeah. Uh, she go and Gwen would get along great. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I can see why Disney would want to keep going with the superhero thing. Superhero movies make money. They're popular, especially with kids. I feel like they could have done more in this movie in terms of marketability because we really only see three, maybe four characters in superhero outfits that 
in some way look toyetic. Three de- definitely look toyetic, and one kind of doesn't look toyetic. Yeah, this was not a movie that was going to get merch. Which is weird because Disney is such a merch-heavy company. Like, I could see a Commander action figure, a Jetstream action figure, a Royal Pain action figure. Obviously, those three costumes are really, really good and would make really, really great toys. No one's going to buy the uh, an action figure of teenager in T-shirt and jacket. If you go for, like, emo coitus guys, maybe a war and peace. But even so, not not great for yeah. an action figure. I could see like a uh, magenta stuffy as the, the 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 guinea pig. Yeah, the little guinea pig. And I get it. These are superheroes in training. These are kids in high school. They haven't gotten their superhero identities yet. So I can get why there, but it's just superheroes in general just leans itself so much to merchandise. I mean, that's really why Disney bought Marvel because of the merchandise that they could make, the money they could make off the merchandise of the Marvel characters. Yeah, but the thing is, is that Disney didn't even buy Marvel until after Marvel kind of proved that it could be a thing. Yeah, I mean, they didn't buy, what, 2009, 2010? By that point, the MCU the MCU is already in, in swing. Yeah, I mean, they didn't buy it until, like, after Thor, I think, was already out. Um, and so you've at least got, like, Iron Man and Thor, and I think maybe even Captain America. Well, that came uh, out that- before the before Disney actually. The Edwin Norton Hulk movie as well. Well, yeah, the 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 good Hulk movie. Um, and so, I mean, Marvel Studios as its own thing kind of proved that it could bring the audience. And then Disney was like, hey, we'll we'll buy that. So, yeah, I mean. It's not exactly like Disney established the MCU. You know, Marvel did that and then Disney kind of swept in. But when it came to the resurgence of superheroes as a marketable film property, Disney did not have a lot to do with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, Incredibles did... Decently. As a as a Pixar film. But the things that really kind of, you know, if you're talking about the milkshake that brought all the boys back to the yard, you're talking about stuff like the Nolan Batman films. And you're talking about when Iron Man hit, which had nothing to do with Disney at, at that point. I don't know about you, but I did see Sky High in theaters. I never saw it in theaters, but I did see it when it came to TV. Okay, well, I I was one that, like, I saw this in theaters. Hmm. And 
I liked it okay in in the theater. It it wasn't like immediately like my oh my god everybody has to go see this movie. But I was like, you know, that was a a decent film, you know, if you've got the money to spare and you know, a couple hours go watch it, you know. So I was I was one of one of those that that went cuz the adult cast were people I was familiar with and I was like that that's enough to bring me here and the premise was enough to bring me so you know okay but there were other superhero films coming out at the time that I was much more interested in yeah like I said Batman Begins came out one month before this movie did and like a week before this movie came out was Fantastic Four. Which I also saw in theaters and liked less than this movie, which we have talked about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so this ranks between Batman Begins and Fantastic Four for me. One thing I will give credit to this movie, and I'm going to give this credit first off the bat here. This is not afraid to be a comic book movie. It is very comic book inspired, even having comic book artwork throughout the movie. The outfits are very bright and colorful. There is, and it's not afraid to just be camp and at some points very fun, which was a counterbalance to what was going on, like you said, with the Nolan movies. It was very dark and gritty, and we got to have that bit of realism into it. Now that we're going to have flying people and super strong people and people that can transform into animals and goo and people that can throw fire out of their hands. And even the Fantastic Four film, which went darker with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and... When Fox, I mean, it was lighter than the Nolan Batman, of course. Um, you know, which the Nolan Batman was very much Frank Miller Batman inspired. But even with the Fox Fantastic Four there that we've talked about before, it was comedic, yes, but. It wasn't as comic book as this movie is. Mm. You know, it still tried to have, like, grounded realism. And this movie was very much like, you realize we're talking about superheroes, right? Like, that's just a goofy idea. This really wouldn't be brought into the films again until the MCU. Yeah, I kind of... I think that's why I I appreciate the MCU so much is because they know in in most of the films at least they they know how to strike the balance between we do understand how goofy this premise is and also we are dealing with some really disturbing real world kind of ideas here um and I appreciate that understanding of that balance um sky high is not really it it is accidentally dealing with some real world 
stuff, but I don't think it realizes it's doing so. I think what they wanted to do was take the tropes of kid in high school and adapt that into superheroes. Because you have the, 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 the bullies and the popular kids and the not so popular kids and the loser kids. And we're just going, but now they're heroes and sidekicks. So taking, yeah. the tro- taking those tropes. And in a way it works and in a way it doesn't. Because I think that it's one of those things of like, you want to put the real world kind of stuff on it but you don't actually think it through enough. Mm. It feels like someone wanted to make an 80s teen high school movie because the soundtrack is filled with either 80s songs or covers of 80s songs. Well, they're they're all covers, and they're all from the 80s except for one. There's one song that was late 70s. But they're all covers. None of them are by the original artists. And except for one song, which came out in the very late 70s, they are all from the 80s. So you are very correct in that assessment. Mm -hmm. It's very much they wanted to make what if John Hughes made a superhero movie. And in half of this movie, it kind of works. And in the other half of the movie... Kind of doesn't. Yeah, and the reason that John Hughes movies worked is because he he has a lot of like wacky situations that are not terribly realistic. But he's he thought through a lot of the real world implications. And then he kind of laid the wackiness on top of it. But if you scratch under the surface of a John Hughes movie, you're like, oh, he's he's dealing with some serious stuff. And I think Sky High kind of wanted that John Hughes aesthetic without kind of understanding what made it so impactful to people of our, our generation. Mm. I mean, it is it is impactful to someone. There is a a, a a a fandom of this movie. So let's not say this movie didn't didn't find its audience. But oh it's no, audi- I'd I'd never say that. No, it's but it's clearly an audience that were young. You know, the 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 this was a movie intended to be for kids, and the kids that grew up with this movie, this now almost twenty year old movie. They're adults now, so they can look back and say, when I was a kid, my favorite movie was Sky High, which is fair enough. I'm not going to, you know, if you grew up with this movie, more power to you. It's not a terrible movie, and but we'll get more into it as we go as we go on. So what is Sky High all about? So we have our main character, Will Stronghold who is the son of two of the greatest superheroes that have ever lived, Jetstream and the Commander, who by by night are superheroes, but at day they are realtors. That's their cover story. 
So Will is, he's working out, he's trying to impress his, his parents, trying to show that he has some sort of superpower. And as apparently all super people do, they get enrolled in this superhero school called Sky High, where they learn how to be superheroes. But the problem is, Will does not have any superpowers. And seemingly for who knows how long has been lying to his parents that he somehow has these powers that will in no doubt, no way bite him in the butt at the end of all of this. But, you know, we'll get there. So. Very early on in in the movie, it's established what's going to happen because we get, you know, did I ever tell you how I met your mother, Will? And they uh, the par- apparently the and then he spends eight years telling Will how he met his mother. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that's something else. But we get that they met on a superhero team up mission against the commander's arch enemy, Royal Pain, in what they thought was Royal Pain's final final scheme. Their first team up, they take out his arch rival. I do like. In the in the flashback, it's only for like a second. But Jetstream has a pure all white outfit. But as soon as those two get together, Jetstream puts the red and the blue on her outfit to match the commander. It's a blink and it's a blink and you'll miss it in that flashback scene. That Jetstream has an all white outfit. But it's 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 a nice it's a nice little little reference to show them as a team. So yeah, they have their first team up. They take out the bad guy, and we find out that that commander has a habit of collecting trophies from all of his adventures, including Royal Payne's ultimate weapon, the pacifier, and he puts it in his little commander cave at the in the bottom of their house. Yeah, the secret sanctum or whatever they call it. I like Commander Cave. I like the the alliteration of that, but, you know, secret sanctum, whatever. (laughs) But, yeah, he, he, Will has to go to superhero school. He has no powers. Eventually, uh, we also meet, we have Layla, who is Will's best friend since childhood. Her superpower is that she can control plants. He's basically poison ivy. In more ways than one, I'm going to be honest with you. There is a someone was a real big Poison Ivy fan when they made this character. Layla as a whole is a very. I know what they were trying to do in this movie. However, there are some people that have complaints over it. Layla is very much like I said, she's very much Poison Ivy as she is portrayed today. In that, you know, she's a very much an environmentalist. She is protective of the plants. She communicates with the plants. She doesn't want to fight. She's not, she doesn't believe in the class system of the school. The problem with the movie is it plays it up as a joke that she is somehow in the wrong for thinking that. Even going as far as talking about her superhero mother who has the power to communicate with animals. Oh, have you ever asked what an animal thinks about us eating them? They don't like that. 
What's so funny is when I was I had forgotten about that that line, and so when I when I was rewatching the movie, I was watching it with a friend, and uh, Layla does the thing about like, yeah, animals aren't particularly keen about that, and then Jetstream goes like, well, what about some juice? And as the plant girl, I kind of wanted her to go like. Well, oranges aren't particularly that keen on us squeezing their guts out either. What do you eat, girl? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I kind of wanted to do that because it's like, you know, it's it's not the same thing. But, like, we do know that, like, plants have nerves and respond to stimuli and stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like. If she communicates with plants, and, like, that's always been my thing about Poison Ivy being a vegan and stuff. I'm like, you communicate with plants. What is what is the difference between that and somebody who communicates with animals being like, well, I'm a vegan because I communicate with animals and, like, so I can't eat an animal anymore. I'm like... Well, wouldn't that be the same thing for somebody who communicates with plants? Yeah, he grows an apple tree in an instant and rips an apple off and gives it to Will. To eat. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, it's 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 one of those things, you know, it's it's the the uh, arrogant worm song, carrot juice is murder. Carrot juice constitutes murder. Greenhouses, prisons for slaves. Let's buy vegetables. It's time to stop all this gardening. It's dirty as Let's call a spade a spade. It's it's a joking song, but it's kind of is. There is some truth to that, you know. Hmm. (laughs) So I I kind of that was that was my my first thing when she came on, but as far as her character's portrayal the thing is is the movie wants to have it both ways with her and that's my problem with her portrayal is that she's proven right but also a little bit wrong because when we were discussing this off mic you you said a thing of like well she's not proven right until she uses her her powers in a fight and that's her big thing through the movie like she keeps saying i don't i don't use my powers in like violent situations like she refuses to show off her powers in front of the coach shout out to bruce campbell as the coach oh yeah um casting but, you know, when when the coach is like, you have to prove your powers so I can tell whether you're a hero or a sidekick so I can segregate you based on my decision of your worthiness of how cool I think your powers are. Um, she just refuses to show off her powers at all. Because she doesn't agree with the way the school is segregated. And um, 
throughout the movie, she keeps saying, I don't believe in using my my powers for violence, which is kind of what the heroes are expected to do. Mm-hmm. You go out and you fight the battles and stuff. And that's why she's OK being a sidekick, even though her powers are like really cool. You know, she is basically Poison Ivy. And all and then, you know, at the end of the movie, she's kind of forced to defend herself against the villains. She refuses to throw the first punch. So when the mean girl cheerleader throws the first punch, she says, well, you just made a big mistake. Now I'm defending myself. And just goes full out poison ivy, pulling out all of the trees and the weeds and like showing that she can be a badass when she wants to be. She just doesn't want to be a badass. Which is perfectly fine. But it goes against what the entire superhero system is built on is that you train your powers, you go out and you save the world. She doesn't seem to be interested in going out and saving the world. At least that is how the movie is presenting it. Well, I think she just thinks there are better ways of saving the world than that system is doing it, you know? Fair enough. I'm I'm willing to, to, to say fair enough on that. Save the world a different way. Fine. Then why is she going to superhero school? Well, it might be a compulsory thing. Like, you may not agree with the educational system, but your parents are going to get thrown in jail if you play hooky enough, you know? I mean, her parents, her superhero mom, yes. Maybe her superhero mom also went to Sky High, and she is kind of forcing her daughter to go there, too, because, hey, second, third, fourth generation, whatever, going to my old my old school like Will is with his with his parents. But that's never said in the movie. Or yeah, I mean, we we do know that that her mom is a superhero. We never and, see her in the entire movie. Yeah, you know, you never see most of the the parents. You really only see Will's parents. So, um the thing is is there's probably some kind of compulsory thing of you know, these kids have to go. But the thing is, is that the movie also wants to prove her right in the sense of it's kind of wrong for them to be separating the kids like this because one of the entire points of the movie is like, oh, the sidekicks save the day with Will's help, you know? Mm. And so in that way, it's like, well, she's kind of proven right-ish because, like, you think that, like, well, all of these powers are useless, but then there are situations at the end of the movie where all their powers prove useful in some way, you know, mm-hmm. like, Oh, you turn into a gerbil big whoop or whatever, but it's like, well, yeah, but if she didn't, then they wouldn't have been able to take out the 
gravity thing that's causing the school to fall, you know? And it's like the one dude's ability to melt into a puddle actually turned useful and the one guy's ability to glow and the one, you know. It's it's weird that, you know, unless your superpowers can be used for every situation, you're regulated as a sidekick. And it there the, the, the sidekick superpowers end up becoming useful in this particular situation, which uh, it's convenient, but it's also a movie. So it kind of has to be. It's the third act of a movie. We need to show that the, quote, losers are actually just as capable as the cool kids. Because, you know, this is still a high school teenager movie. And I feel that it focuses more on that. Like I said, especially towards the second half of the movie. The first half is very much trying to do the superhero, superpowered, superheroes in training kind of vibe. By the time we get to the second act, it's all high school tropes. So you kind of need the losers to show that they are just as good as the cool kids and save the day. Again, tropey, but it's still a Disney movie for kids. So. (laughs) I don't know. The thing is, is that there's, you know, I'm not entirely sure that you're, you're correct in your assessment that they intended Layla to be played for a joke. Because the director, I think it was, had said something about the the movie that the way they did the movie was that every adult is, like, just completely wackadoo. Like, none of the adults are, are really right about anything. Except maybe, except maybe Linda Carter, because Linda Carter is wonderful and can do no wrong. Like she seems to be the only the adult in the, in the movie that like is okay. All the rest of the adults are just like, what? What are you doing? You're all weird and ridiculous. And then the director said that they also went from the premise that all the girls are smarter than the boys. And that is actually one of the big plot points of the movie, especially when we get to let's just go and let's rip rip the bandit off here. Gwen, a.k.a. Susan, a.k.a. Royal Payne, who when she first went to Sky High, her powers were not understood. She is a technopath, as the movie explains it, a genius with technology. When she went to Sky High, they just saw her as a nerd and put her and put her with the sidekicks. No one really seeing the, her potential, which led her down the path of villainy. The pacifier being not really a death ray, but a de-aging ray. Her big plan being to turn all of the superheroes back into children so she can raise them herself in the ways of villainy and create her own villain school like there's a superhero school 
now in the more modern day of 2005, now that she has aged back up to teenage, teenage age, teenage age. Sure. We'll go with that. (laughs) (laughs) Now that she is, you know, grown again. In a new in a new world, in a new society, a, a society that better understands her power. A more technology, technologically advanced era, she is now the most popular kid in the school. She is the president of the homecoming committee. She is loved by everyone in that school. And she still wants to go forward in this evil plan of hers because revenge. But she would have never gone into villainy if there was at least one person in that school that understood her abilities. Like you said, the girl smarter than the boys. In this case, Susan, a.k.a. Gwen, a.k.a. Royal Payne, was probably, and probably still is, the smartest person in that entire school. And no one really understood that. And if someone did, maybe it'd be a completely different story we're telling here. Same thing with Layla. She doesn't see the system. It's fair. It's not. It's freaking high school. And she tries to make it a little bit more fair, and she's treated like the joke to a lot of people. Some people even saying, I bet you don't even have powers. And also with with Magenta, she also doesn't give a damn about the the class system she doesn't give a she doesn't really you know she shows off her powers but it's like whatever put me in a psychic class i don't care this whole school can eat me in a different situation if magenta did not have the circle of friends that she did have she probably would have gone down the same road that gwen did yeah i mean it kind of is a Marvel situation mm-hmm. in the sense of, you know, it's the Marvel villain problem of Marvel villains always tend to be right. And then you have to make them do something completely unconscionable to be like, oh, yeah, you're supposed to root against the villain. Gwen is, I mean, she's kind of a jerk. And they make you dislike her because of what she does to Layla, who is just a sweetheart. But she's not exactly wrong. I mean, the system is truly awful. Like, you see what it does to, you know, poor All-American boy. Oh, All-American boy. Perfectly played by Dave Foley. Yeah. I love that All-American boy is a Canadian. <laughs> Just... So great. Just a kid in the hall. Yeah. I love we get two kids in the hall. Yeah, and McDonald's also in here as Professor Mandula. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got such a tragic backstory, which is just that, like, he apparently has no powers that we ever see. He's basically Robin. 
you know? And although very athletic, because he does do that that very long jump and, and catch. Well, yeah, I mean, like I said, basically Robin, mm-hmm. who I mean, that was Robin's old shtick was being one of the flying Graysons. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that that seems to be his his thing. But. The the thing is, like, he went to this school and then he graduated and he was paired up with the commander. Yeah. But I mean, he had no the thing about the sidekick track, you know, the hero support track um, is that they do not have a choice in their career. You know, you talk about like, well, this is high school and that's the thing. But the thing is, is it's not high school. The way this system is set up is you get put in this track and then in graduation, you get assigned one of your former classmates and they decide what you do. They decide your costume. They decide your name from then on. They decide, like, presumably, like, where you live and what you do. And, like, you just get assigned a boss when you graduate. And that's it. Like, if you get put in sidekick track, you are basically like a weirdo indentured servant to one of the people that has been bullying you in high school for the last four years. That doesn't stop. And then we see what happens to All-American Boy, which is that, like, the commander met Jetstream and is like, yeah, I don't need a sidekick anymore. I've got... Like I got a girlfriend. A, su- a superhero <laughs> partner, you know, a wife, a girlfriend, you know, whatever. And I'm going to completely forget about you, toss you aside. Like, that was presumably his job, his housing situation, his everything else. So, like, what is left for this guy to do? He just he goes back and teaches at the school because it's all he knows. And then he finds out that, like, he has been so erased from his former life, the only thing he has to hold on to, that the guy's own son has never even heard of him. Yeah, I mean, there's that that one scene of him kind of looking at, oh, yeah, why would he talk about me? I'm just a sidekick. And even that's played for last because at the end he tra- he saves the baby, you know he saves uh, bleh. Jetstream and yeah. he tries to confess his love for her, which is so sad. I've always loved ah before he gets turned as well. Again, the whole thing is kind of played up for laughs. Even even Bruce Campbell's character Boomer is played up for laughs. Granted, it's Bruce Campbell. He can do anything. But, yeah. The only former superhero in this entire movie, with the exception of of 
of Will's parents that's not treated like a joke is Principal Powers, and that's because it's Linda freaking Carter. Yeah, you cannot turn her into a joke. <laughs> I mean, to go back to uh, what I was wanting to say before, with 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 Royal Pain, Gwen, Gwen has Gwen, even in her super villain alter ego, has a voice changer in her helmet to make her sound like a man because she wouldn't get taken seriously otherwise. And it's Patrick Warburton. <laughs> yeah, I mean, bravo to her for choosing a great voice, though. Yeah. So there, 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 there is there, there are levels in this movie, but I don't think this movie really goes as far with that as it could have because, again, I, I say this, but it's also, but it is true. Disney movie. This is before they owned Marvel, before they owned Star Wars, where they were still very protective of their brand. Can't go too can't go too far into the the the, the deconstruction, as it were. And even Warren. Warren is that really special case, as they straight up say at the beginning, Warren is the son of a superhero and a supervillain. And a supervillain that Will's father put away for life. So they believe that Warren is going to get revenge on Will for what happened to his father. Which, while his father is a sensitive subject for Warren, he just wants to be left alone. He just wants to be the brooding bad boy. He wants nothing to do with Will. The only time he ever crosses Will's path is when he believes Will has wronged him, which is, you know, when he gets tripped up by the Vulcan skull bullies. And then they start the fight. Yeah, Warren is a a really weird case because. Is this just for the children of superheroes or is this for any superpowered? people well his mother is a superhero we never find out which superhero she is so i guess by default by being the child of a superhero he's automatically in sky high it just happens to be that his father is a supervillain well yeah and that that's what i'm saying like is he there because of his mom or is he there because he has powers you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of the one thing we don't really know about the school, you know? Even the power thing is kind of glossed over in the, with the school nurse. How she says it's very rare for two non-super people to have a child with superpowers. It is quite possible for a one super person and a normal person to create a child with superpowers. And it is extremely rare for two super people to have a child with no superpowers, which is what we get with Will throughout the first act of the movie. And we find out that the only other known case of two super people having a non-powered child 
is the bus driver. You feel so bad for the bus driver, too. Yeah, once that's fine, you feel like he's, you clearly, he clearly loves superheroes and clearly is very knowledgeable of superheroes in general. If he, he is the son of two superheroes, we never find out who those super people are. And he has no powers. So his only function in a society of superheroes where he knows who these superheroes are, he knows secret identities, your job is the bus driver. You're a non-magic person that's aware of magic. You're the janitor. Yeah. And it's like, if this movie was a little bit braver and not give Will powers, spoilers, that you could have had those two find common ground. Will could have gone to the bus driver and said... Hey, I don't have powers. You don't have powers. We're both children of superheroes. They could have found some sort of camaraderie. Possibly even a friendship as weird as an adult man having a friendship with a teenage boy would be. Oh, are, are we talking back to the future now? I was thinking back to the future I was as I was saying that. But you could have had... It would it would have made the ending where he goes to try and protect Will, you know, and 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 join in the fight at the end mean a little little bit more. And then the cop out during the the ending credits where they say that he fell into a vat of toxic waste and gained superpowers. Well, that that's of course the the callback to, you know, Commander being such an awful dad. Because there is that thing when he finds out that Will doesn't have any superpowers and Jetstream is trying to console him. And she's like, look, you know, we might be not be the best super family, but we're going to be the best family because we love each other. And plus, there's nothing we can do about it. Not unless he like falls into a vat of toxic chemicals or something. And then the commander's like. Hey, that's a good idea. She's like, no. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Where would we even find a vat of toxic chemicals? And she's like, no. It is a funny scene, though. Which is a great scene. That he's like going joker about it, you know, where he's like, yeah, I want the person I love to, to, to end up like me. So I'll just toss them into a vat of toxic chemicals. Can we just talk about how absolutely cracked the commander is and how Kurt Russell, like, absolutely nails that part? Yeah, he's very, you know, again, he is supposed to be the world's greatest superhero. He is such the world's greatest superhero that everybody at Sky High knows who Will is before he even gets on the bus. You're Will Stronghold. You're the commander's son. It's an honor to meet you. Yeah, I mean, even the bus driver is like, hey, if you're running late one day, I'll just hold the bus. We'll all be late to school. It's fine. Anything for you. You're the commander's son. And he's very much, you know, this it's why Will pretends to be lifting weights at the beginning of the movie, because he wants to impress his dad. Because when you're the son of presumably the world's greatest superhero, that's a large shadow. 
And he has to live up to that. <laughs> and especially with, again, at the beginning of the movie, he has no powers. So how do you be the son of the world's greatest superhero and have no powers? The thing I I like is just like the commander's costume is so weird. Like this dude has a latex cape. Who has a latex cape? It goes well with the armored outfit. <laughs> But, like, Jetstream at least has a cloth cape, and that makes sense. Because she flies. He doesn't fly. <laughs> but, like, a latex cape, that's going to get torn so often. Oh, my God. He probably has a whole closet full of them. It's such a, such a waste of material. Oh, my God. But, yeah, he's very much, uh, the commander is very much, you know... I can't believe my son has no powers. I can't believe my son is a is a sidekick. How dare they? I'm going to call the school. They got this wrong. How, you know, it's like any other for lack of a better term, helicopter parent. You know, how dare they? How dare they tell me my special little unique little angel isn't special enough to get on the team? I'm going to call the school and ma- correct this mistake. Also, he does that while supposedly making a tuna sandwich that is actually bologna. It's not yeah. really important to the plot, but it's just always bugged me. He comes in and he's like, hey, kids, I'm going to go make myself a tuna fish sandwich. You want some? And they're like, no. And he's like, OK, I'll go make one for me. And then he wanders into the kitchen and starts making like what appears to be a bologna sandwich. Eh, it feels like <laughs> it feels like scenes were filmed out of order or dubbing was done. I don't know. Yeah, it just that the, his like weird bologna tuna fish sandwich has always bugged me. Eh. But it feels like he get, he has this big disappointment in his son for not being for not having powers for not for being a sidekick. And it's only through his wife that tells him, hey, we can be the best family. We don't need, you know, we don't need to be the stronghold three. We can be the stronghold three, not as superheroes, but as a family. And, you know, the only comfort that that commander has is. Well, maybe he'll enter the family business and go into realty. <laughs> but of course, Had will not have any powers. And throughout the entire movie and had to rely on his smarts or something, we would have had a I think this would have been a better movie. But right in the second act, right when that fight between Will and Warren happened, is when his superpowers kicked in and he finds out that he has his father's super strength. Instantly part of the cool kids club as all the cool kids want to talk to him. And it's like, why do you want to hang out with those losers? You're one of us now. You're a hero. You're one of the cool kids. He gets transferred out of sidekicks class into superhero class. And at first it goes to his head because, hey, now he's dating the most popular and most beautiful girl in the entire school. The freshman dating the senior. 
but at the same time is now ignoring his friends. Especially Layla, who we find out has a secret crush on him. And the school... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, it's not really so secret. It's kind of very apparent from the moment she walks into the movie. And he's just a dumb boy. (laughs) As a former teenage boy myself, teenage boys are dumb. That is true. I want to pause on this for just a moment here. Because we have Danielle Panabaker as Layla, who would go on to play another superhero, as she would play Killer Frost in the Flash TV show. And I find that hilarious. And of course, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who plays Royal Payne, of course, would also go on to play Ramona Flowers in Scott Pilgrim, the Huntress in the Harley Quinn movie. And is now playing Hera in the Ahsoka series. Just can't get rid of these nerd roles. And why would you want to? True. So I just find it hilarious. There are two people in this movie who would also go on to play actual comic book superheroes. But the point is that, you know, like, I mean, Will... He starts to notice it, and oh, he's hanging out with the cool kids more. He's hanging out with Gwen more, and not so much as his friends. Oh, I'm going to make it up to you. You pick your favorite restaurant, and we'll go. Uh, Layla picks this Chinese restaurant. Will hates Chinese food, but he's going to go anyway because Layla's his best friend. He doesn't want to really hurt her. And then Gwen decides to come into the Stronghold's house. Oh, hey. I'm your son's tutor. I'm also his girlfriend. And we're going to be... And now he's on the homecoming dance committee. And we're going to have a meeting. And just everything spirals out of control. As the, quote, meeting of the school of the of the school dance committee turns into this big party. To which now Will has completely forgotten about the date or not date or meeting or whatever with Layla at the restaurant and has completely screwed things up with her. He tries to go find her. Layla comes to the house and Gwen goes full mean girl. He doesn't want to talk to you. Why would he want to talk to a loser sidekick when he's hanging out with us? And we get that's where we enter the third act because Will decides, you know what? I'm not going to be dating the mean girl. I'm breaking up with you. I'm going to go find my friend. Which good on Will, but you still kind of went along with this whole thing for this long, you know? Yeah, sometimes there's too little too late. To be fair, it's Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I don't blame the guy. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't blame the guy. A pretty face. Again, teenage boy and a pretty face. Men are dumb. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I would have given him a pass if it had been Linda Carter. Are we talking 70s Linda Carter or I'm talking about Linda Carter at any point in her adult life. (laughs) Okay. I'm talking about Linda Carter today, 
70s, 80s, 90s. I'm saying, if we're talking 70s, Linda Carter, sure. Linda Carter walks into the room right now. Linda Carter's still getting it. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll, I'll buy it. Which makes the, the, when the reveal happens and Will says, oh my God, I made out with an old lady. But the whole thing is, you can tell that Will did get in over his head about, again, all of a sudden getting superpowers. Now he's part of the cool kids club. He forgets the the actual friends he's made around, he's made up until this point. And... Like you said, too little, too late, because the damage is already done. But Layla forgives Will way too easily. Like, all he does all he does is show up and say, hey, turns out my, my now ex-girlfriend is a supervillain. I'm here to stop her. Oh, I forgive you, smoochy smoochy. It's way too forgiving, but I get that this is the third act in the movie, and we need to speed this along, get all the friends back together so they can team up and take down the bad guy. Yeah. Like, I get it. If this had happened at an earlier point in the movie, you could stretch this out. But because it's this, the breakup and all of this stuff happens in the end of the second act into the third act, we need to wrap this up. We, and it's, it's again Disney movie. We need the happy ending. We need to get all the characters back on the same, all the good guys back on the same page. Again, in a pre MCU world, and all of this happens, you know, right when the party happens and Will forgets about Layla. Layla decides that she's gonna go to the dance with Warren who coincidentally works at the restaurant that Layla was at. And he's just, I mean, it's that whole don't judge a book by its cover situation with, you know, pretty girl Gwen end up being the bad guy and brooding bad boy Warren turns out to be a decent guy in the end. You know, he's, he's not really a bad guy, but you know, he works at the restaurant. He, you know, he, he sits down and he talks with Layla. Hey, what's going on? It's Will, and he's being a he's being a jerk, and yeah, it's like his dad being a jerk. And hey, I need a date for the dance. You're coming with me to the dance because I want to make Will jealous. Okay. <laughs> I love how he's very much not into going to the dance until he finds out that she's only doing it not because she like has a crush on him or anything but just because she wants to annoy will and then he's like oh yeah if we're doing it to annoy will i'm totally down with this i mean there are worse reasons because i have i have rarely felt anything in a movie more than when warren is sitting alone at his table which they've established in the movie he sits alone at that lunch table at all because he doesn't like people and he doesn't want to talk to people. And then Layla sits down and he's like, 
no, this this my table. Go go away. Just because I talked to you once doesn't mean I want to talk to you again. You know. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like the other sidekicks start sitting down, and they're like, "Oh, we're sitting at Warren's table now." And he's like, "No, you're not. Go go away." And I was I was talking, like I said, I was watching this with a friend, and I told my friend, I was like, "See, this is why you are not nice to people, even once." <laughs> Like, you're nice to people once, and they just start thinking they can come around you. Like, no, just never be nice to people. Does anyone else want a date to the dance? Uh, Shut up. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's just like, no, nobody sits here except for me. Go away. This is my table. (laughs) I'm like, oh, man, I I have rarely felt a scene more. That and that and the bit in The Hobbit where. Bilbo has just made his sandwich or whatever, and he mm-hmm. he sits down, and then all of a sudden there's a knock on the door, and he just has that look like, why the f is there a knock on my door right now? <laughs> I am about to eat my sandwich. Why are people? <laughs> and I was like, yes, those two things are very much my vibe. And I like Warren says, I'll go to the dance with you, but I'm not wearing a suit. Yeah. And then he then he shows up to the dance in a suit. And he said it was his dad's, but his dad's not using it because his dad's in jail. <laughs> so, I mean, Warren shows that he's kind of a nice guy, even though he's, you know, again, he has this exterior brooding bad boy. But, you know, he's he's not all bad. Which, again, works in that whole don't judge a book by its cover thing that I think this movie was trying to say because the entire movie sets up Warren as the villain. He is the brooding bad boy. He hates Will because of what Will did to his dad and such and such and such and such. They, you know, thanks to the bullies, they're always at odds with each other. They end up having the fight. They even have the communication breakdown when they're, when they're in the, the, the Save the Citizen game. So it's like the entire movie sets up Warren as the villain, and it turns out he's actually a decent guy. He's not a 100% good guy, but he's still a decent guy, which is, you know, somewhat better, I would say, at least as far as this movie is concerned. And then we get... Can I ask one thing about Save the Citizen? Mm Mm-hmm. So they're in the Save the Citizen thing, and the clock is ticking down and everything, and the citizen is being lowered into the, like, you know, grinder or whatever. Why why not just break the grinder? I mean, then it doesn't matter if the citizen gets lowered into it, that the citizen's still alive. It's a generic death trap that supervillains use. You got to find a way to save the citizen from the death trap. Doesn't matter what, because not all break the death trap is thing is going to work. Because if it's a vat of acid, you break it, the acid is going to go everywhere. That's how okay. I saw the situation. Anyway, you may differ. Because like the whole time I was just like, well, you know, break the thing and then deal with the villain, and then come back and get the citizen but also superhero tropes you gotta defeat the bad guy then save the citizen i do like the 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 
and it's one of the few scenes that 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 our two kids in the hall have in the in, in the entire movie because they're watching the Save the Citizen game. And, and all American boy says to Mandula, remember when we used to use real citizens? Yeah, good times. And I like they come back to that at the end of the movie where they suggest that they were using the the, the villains as the, the bait. And then he's like, no, not really. But wouldn't that have been fun? <laughs> and, of course, we get the the. Who would have thought that the school bullies and our two mean girls were actually supervillains? Oh, no. I am very shocked to listen to how shocked I am. At least I do like that we have our cheerleader mean girl who whose superpower is she can duplicate and she's actually played by twins. Yeah, I do like that the entire cheerleading squad is just one girl. <laughs> yeah. Which does add to the mean girlness of it all. Literally, the entire cheer squad is our mean girls, and it's just one mean girl. So we have our mean girls and our school bullies who are the supervillains who are locking all of the heroes, and they're and presumably their parents who are and the teachers as as royal pain is shooting them to become babies and her as she says her big plan to to raise them as supervillains and create a supervillain school i do like to have that thing of cuz throughout the whole movie we get the very power ranger esque meanwhile on the moon base scene with moon, with uh Royal Pain and her sidekick. Yeah. As as they see as they activate the robot part from earlier in the movie that that Commander has in, in his lair. And it works because it's Patrick Warburton. He's already a a a cartoon voice actor, so it works in the in that sense. And you're like how do I work this joystick? Well, you would know how to work a joystick if we had an Xbox. Uncle, uncle, uncle. But uh, the fact that when she was when uh, when Gwen was turned back into a child from the pacifier, her sidekick had to raise her. Daddy's little girl. Don't call me that. I can only imagine what that would have been like. Eighteen years of that. Of be one, you're a supervillain now having to be raised by your sidekick. You're the sidekick now having to raise your boss. Seemingly having all of her memories of of her past life. That's uh, it's very and still having to play the role of father and daughter. Yeah, that's that's a really weird backstory that I kind of wish we'd have gotten a little bit more about. That's a movie in itself. Yeah. But yeah, we get the 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 you know, all of the sidekicks finally get their 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 powers become useful. As I said, um the one that turns into a guinea pig, they need they need someone to go through a small a small cavern to get to the anti-gravity machine so they can say repair it. We have the one person whose superpower is glowing and they're in the dark corridor and he has to glow so he can see the way through. And the one that turns himself into a puddle to trip up the villains. 
And of course, uh, Layla's big badass moment with the plants. And in a moment that, as they say, is impossible, Royal Pain throws Will off of the sky high, which is actually in the sky. As they say at the beginning of the movie, sky high is a floating school that constantly changes position so no supervillain can get to it. Since he is thrown off sky high, it is presumed that he is going to die. But no, he has a second superpower, which is flight. Which they say is impossible. Which means Will goes from being not special to super special. Because now he has two superpowers. Which, again, I, I feel like that that that's kind of too much. You know, he doesn't need to have both his mom and his dad's superpowers. The thing is, is in this movie, the they try to be like, oh, the sidekicks are the real heroes or whatever. But in the end, they really do end up being hero support. Because Will ends up being an overpowered superhero. And so it makes all the stuff his friends do kind of just superhero support, you know? Yeah, they're able to to distract the other bad guys while Will is fighting the main bad guy. They're able to stop the anti-gravity machine from going haywire while Will is trying to stop the school from crushing a guy, from from trying to crush SpongeBob's house. Because we get a Tom Kenny cameo. Yeah. Um, and the uh, the woman who plays his wife is is Jill Talley, who is uh, also in SpongeBob. She's Karen Plankton. <laughs> so uh, we get two SpongeBob uh, cast members. Three voice actors in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, you're right. You know, they're hero support, which, you know, works. And it shows that a sidekick isn't just an also-ran. Is, But, yeah, you have a point. And he is the overpowered superhero. And I honestly, uh, while I get the what they're trying to do, they want to have that hero moment with Will. I honestly feel like if th- we could have told a, a better story if Will did not have superpowers. If he was just a dude, he didn't have these powers. What? Maybe he had to use his brain. Maybe he had, or I don't know. Maybe his powers isn't physically based. Yeah, if his power was a bit more esoteric, like, you know, he's a good tactician or something or he's he's good at inspiring people not necessarily frontline superhero stuff you know guy in the chair kind of thing but this is a disney movie he's the main character he needs to be the it's it kind of needs to be unfortunately that's the story that they want to tell but, you know, or I don't know, maybe something. Uh, I don't know. I, I had another thing in my brain. and I, Or like they have 
Gwen being a technopath and she's good with technology. Maybe something along those lines with Will. Like he could be a gadget based superhero instead of a strength based or a flight based. Well, the thing, I mean, the the point with the villain is that it was she became a villain because people didn't understand her powers and how they were useful. And it would be a good parallel if Will had a similar journey but stayed on the side of the heroes. Mm. That's that's kind of how you tell that story, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, you you show the previous generation kind of screwing that up and then the current generation learning from that mistake. And changing and bettering the system like okay we didn't realize how useful you know being a guinea pig was or Mm -hmm. mild glow or being able to melt into a puddle you know or you know we thought will didn't have a superpower but it turns out his superpower just wasn't something that we had the ability to measure we couldn't under categor- the old system. We couldn't categorize it. Yeah. Um, to me, that's that's the way you go with that. Mm. Um, that Will is very much the parallel to Gwen's original path but they're able to change the system and will is able to stay on the path of the hero instead of being like, okay, screw this. I'll make my own school with black tech and villains, you know, but, uh, it, it seems like they kind of end the movie with, it seems they kind of end the movie with like, well, we recognize that the sidekicks were heroes for the day, but in the end, I'm a hero and I've got a girlfriend and a bunch of sidekick friends. So things worked out for me and that's all I care about. But we don't really see how, like, the system changed. Doesn't look we- like it does, really. We just see how it, like, worked out for this one guy. Yeah. And, like, like the final line kind of doesn't make sense in the way they're presenting it. Because, oh, the rest of the retirement sky high was just regular high school. So, like, my my girlfriend became my worst enemy my best friend became my girlfriend and my worst enemy became my best friend when when did warren become will's best friend off camera the same time that they became boyfriend and girlfriend i mean you know we get that one kiss but you know and then out of nowhere, we've you know we've been see, we've seen this one girl with ice powers throughout the whole movie, who who f- her big thing at the beginning of the movie is she freezes two guys that uses their powers to smack her butt. 
well deserved, by the way. Yeah. But at the, and we don't see her like to the end where he has fire. Uh, Warren has fire powers. She has ice powers. Now they're a, a couple. Sure. Well, this movie didn't wasn't wasn't the big um, blockbuster movie Disney may have hoped it was. Again, it was competing against Fantastic Four and and Dark Knight. There was talk of a sequel. The sequel would have been called Save You, which would have seen our characters in superhero college. Save University. But uh, that never happened. However, there was also talk of a TV series back in 2019, presumably for Disney Plus, that would have featured uh, Kurt Russell returning as the commander and Kelly Preston returning as Jetstream. And this is where we have to bring it down. Kelly Preston passed away in 2020. So I assume that's why the TV show never went anywhere. I think this could work as a show if they decide to take this thing up again. You don't necessarily need all of the original characters. You could have a new, you know, sky high, the new class, as as it were. Introducing introducing a new cast of superheroes or sidekicks or whatever and have that be the thing and a lot of the actors in this movie are still acting so you could potentially bring them back for an episode as a guest star or you know guest teacher of the day or just to find out what happened to their characters later you know i mean it's been 20 years some of these characters could have kids Oh, the guy that plays Will, he's still acting. He was just in Oppenheimer. And I, I know I've talked about Daniel Pe- uh, Pennebaker. She's still acting. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is still acting. Imagine the season finale could be her bringing, finally coming to the real, you know, finally come, uh, creating her villain high and having the big battle between Sky High and Villain High or whatever. Uh, Stephen Strait, who played War and Peace, still acting. You could probably bring him in. So it's like those four really you could just do that as a. Here's this guest character or their kid going to sky high or something. I think there's there 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 there's possibilities here. I once said. And I still believe this, that you could take the concept of this movie, overall concept of this movie, rename it Avengers Academy, and then make a billion dollars. <laughs> let's let's ask the question, Kiki, does Sky High have the magic? The thing is, is that this is still a cute movie. I mean, it, it's not a movie without its problems. Mm-hmm. But it's still fairly enjoyable. And I think most of that is on the cast, honestly. This has such a great cast. I will agree. I think this movie does have the magic. I think 
the the movie does stumble at times. I but I I I like the premise. I think that there's legs for more if Disney decides to reignite this as a as a franchise. I think this movie has the magic. Uh, in a different time, at a different time of the year, or maybe a different year, this would have probably made a lot more money if it didn't have the competition it had. I think that there there's legs here. I think that this thing has the magic. I think this thing is... It, I enjoyed myself watching this movie again. I haven't watched a movie in like 15 years. And going back to the movie, yeah. It's cute. It's not terrible. I, I, I enjoyed myself watching the movie. And I think that there's something here if Disney decides to uh, bring this thing back. And I think they should. I should they should consider it. Although I still <laughs> will say Avengers Academy. I still say that. <laughs> the, the, only, the only thing is, is that the uh, CGI in this did not hold up well. Especially that opening bit. Granted, they 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 are smart enough to show it on a television screen of the CG Kurt Russell and the CG robot. Yeah, that CG robot was awful. But yeah, most of the uh, computer effects in this really bad. Even by 2005 standards, I don't think it was that. Because again, we talked about this when we talked about Fantastic Four, how even by... 2005 standards a lot of that cg work wasn't good yeah yeah all right i think that's all we could say here so let's move on to next week kiki it is that time again it is time to get back into the tardis continuing our 60th anniversary retrospective on doctor who it's reboot time with the ninth doctor christopher eccleston we're in Modern Who now. So that's going to be very interesting to go back to the beginning of Modern Doctor Who and see where the current run of the show started. Yeah, can't wait. So come back next week for the ninth Doctor, Christopher Eccleston on Doctor Who, and we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversations on Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Rewatching the Magic. We are on the X, formerly known as Twitter, at Rewatch the Magic. And new episodes are available every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it. Podcasts are fun. But there's work to be done. We encourage you to get involved. Here are some organizations we support. The American Civil Liberties Union fights for the constitutional rights of all Americans. Find them at ACLU.org. The National Network of Abortion Funds helps people find access to safe abortion services. Their site is abortionfunds.org. The Trevor Project provides a 24-7 crisis helpline for LGBTQ youth and education services for schools on LGBTQ issues. They can be found at thetrevorproject.org. Or find a way to help in your area.